Welcome to Time to Gather, a podcast where women talk it through one story at a time so that we can all move towards more purposeful, integrated, and powerful lives together. I'm Melinda Bullen. And I'm Emily Jennings. And we're two working, living, surviving, trying to thrive women living on two different coasts from two different generations with the same love for good conversation, curiosity, and connection. We're imperfect, we're learning, and we are you. And we're so grateful you're here taking the time to gather with us today. Hey, Emily. Hi, Melinda. How you doing? Doing all right. Just been sitting with what we heard from Allison in this episode about uh, starting her own business and the deep self-work it takes, because I've been kind of going through the same thing with starting this podcast together and this business together and how much like internal self-work it takes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Really looking forward to our guests hearing more from Allison and the deep dive she takes us on this idea of risk and identity and how she really did some great work um, where when she took a risk, it really pushed against who she thought she was. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just a great episode. Yeah. So in this episode, the incredible Miss Allison Spanner shares the risks of starting her own business, taking a deep look at who she is, and living in a way that honors her whole self. So I met Allison in our undergraduate social work courses, where we quickly became friends after finding out we shared the same middle name. Both grew up in small countryside towns in out in nature, had a shared love for Eva Cassidy, and both took having alone time very seriously. What I've learned about Allison over these 15 plus years of friendship is that she is a deeply feeling and aware person. Picking up on the smallest shift of energy, she can assess the people around her and show up for them in ways that they didn't even know they needed, but they really, really needed. She's a bomb to the soul. Witnessing her grow and do the same for herself has been one of the greatest joys of my life and inspiring as all get out. Allison makes meaning wherever she goes, is fiercely committed to justice, and brings color and style to the world in a way that most of us only dream of. So let's hear from Allison now. Starting my own business is probably one of the biggest risks I've ever taken. In my case, it wasn't a particularly huge financial risk. I'm very fortunate in that regard. Instead, it felt more like I was risking a lot of the beliefs that I had about myself. Starting my own business led me to challenge a lot of the things that I had assumed about me and my abilities and my place in the world uh, and in my family. I like to have full knowledge of the situation, so letting go of those assumptions that I had and accepting that I don't know myself nearly as well as I thought I did has been terrifying, quite honestly. I think that starting my own business was a risk worth taking, but I'm honestly not quite sure about that yet. Ugh, I love how bold and clear Allison was about her risk being changing the narrative of herself. You know, it was interesting when I was listening to this because usually when you start a business, I, I would think I've actually not started a business, but my assumption would be- What are we doing here then, Melinda? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a passion project, <laughs> a gathering of women to tell great stories. But I guess, amen, yeah, fair amen. enough. Side, side hustle, fair. Um, but, you know, this idea of like, 
I get, and I guess for me, when I've thought about starting a business, the anxiety that is, is provoked Mm -hmm. is more around, you know, the fear of having enough money to start the business or having enough business acumen, or am I producing something that people will find interesting enough to like, I don't know, make a living on it. Right. And so that was my assumption in this idea of her talking about starting a business. But the truth is, I love that she's talking about a risk being seeing herself in new and unexpected ways. And um, that she had an idea of herself and that idea was challenged in the process of starting a business, right? Yeah. Like I feel like that's so much of my big work right now is challenging the narratives I tell myself. Absolutely. It's constant work. And I also want to, in you saying that, I had kind of a light bulb moment of like, oh, all those things you named can be fueled by self-perception and stories we tell ourselves oh, of yeah. like, do I have enough business acumen? Will this be successful? Do people want this? That's all self-perception, right? Can I there. trust myself with money? Right. 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 So, Do I have something to bring to the world that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. So I wonder. Oof, so like right. I wonder if people are really talking about this, but it's in these veiled ways that are like kind of more mm. centered on like business and capitalism and what we define as success. But underneath all of that is probably perception. Like self-perception. You're absolutely right. Actually, you're absolutely right. Whoa. And I think that Allison was able to come in and just with like she a cut sharp knife cut right through that cake, right? And I was like, oh, Clear yeah, the she water. just named it, right? She didn't use all of that veiled language. And we'll talk yeah. more with her about exactly what she meant. But what she had to say really, I think, inspired yeah. both of us to think a lot about the personal narrative. And you and I talk about that in our friendship and in our work together in all sorts of ways. But um, I wanted, and I think you did too, want to do like a deeper dive of like, okay, what do we really mean here? How do we really define this? And so um, one of the places that I thought was a really interesting way of defining it was through um, his name is Dan McAdams. He's a psychologist and he talks a lot about narrative identity. And what I loved in what he said was he said it starts in adolescence because that's when we begin to become historians of ourselves, which I just mm-hmm. love that. I'd never thought of my, I don't know, 10 or 11-year-old self as all of a sudden becoming, I don't know, a historian of myself and this yeah. person that's now starting to hold the stories of who I am. Um, and we do this, right, as a way of meaning making, right? Yeah. Understanding our relationships and those dynamics around us or helping us figure out who we want to be, you know? Yeah, I love that. I am thinking back to like my middle school, high school self. And I do think <laughs> it's so true that those are the times, like I don't remember a lot of earlier childhood. And I really do think those are the times that we start like accumulating this sense of self and trying on these different senses of self and those like those moments are so influential to the rest of our lives like mm-hmm. how much our teenage years and the stories we make up and hear then mm-hmm. like impact us forever is they really do really profound like i'm still unpacking stuff oh my gosh <laughs> yeah, what's serving me what's not serving me <laughs> what i heard at 10 or whatever absolutely um but one of the things i also thought was really cool when we were doing this deep dive on the personal narrative is some work that Gre- gregory burns has done he's a professor out of emory he's a psychology professor and he's written several books but um he talks a lot about this idea of 
the stories that we tell ourselves are the things that bind us through our lives. That's the connective mm. tissue, right? And so I'm going to quote him because I thought this was such something I'd never really thought about before, but he talks about, um, he says, people sometimes had this feeling that they've always been the same core person, that the person they were as a child is just a younger version of themselves. But really the only basis of that feeling is the stories that you have in your head. On a physical level, there's no way you can say that you're the same because your body and your brain have changed so dramatically. And I loved that because I was like, yeah, like literally the stories that we tell ourselves or the stories that have been reflected back to us are the connective mm -hmm. tissue from like start to end. And so when Allison talks about how she was terrified that she didn't know herself as well as she thought she did, that made sense to me, right? Because yeah. I've also had that veil lifted. Um, when, and my challenge, my sense is challenged of who I thought I was, you know? Mm -hmm. And so if we are the stories we tell ourselves, a shift in that storytelling can really feel like the earth is moving beneath us, right? It really, it can yeah. be really unsettling. Yeah. Well, on that note, I can't wait to hear how that shift occurred for Allison and what it felt like for her. So I know. Let's, let's bring let's her in. Bring her in. Yeah. That's it. Hey listeners, the stories our guests have been willing to share are so powerful and the lessons we've been learning run deep. Talking about risks can be hard, but so worth it. And we want everyone to feel like these are conversations they can have, stories they can share in their lives. So we have created a free conversation guide on risk-taking. Head over to our website, timetogatherpodcast.com, download the guide, gather your people and lead your own conversations about risk. Hi, Allison. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> Melinda, yeah. this is my first time meeting you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I know. Um, we've been connected through Emily uh, in a lot of different ways. And I follow your Instagram, which uh, we're going to share with audiences so they can all follow you too, because you're amazing. Uh, but so <laughs> excited to dig in a little bit more into your story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. No problem. <laughs> um, so we super loved your story and found like the fact that you just cut through it all and went straight to here's what was hard. Here's how my perceptions were rocked and how that was difficult. But what we didn't know is a little bit about what your business is and the risk that you were taking. We know you're starting your own business, but we're curious about um, a little background about the business you started and where you were coming from and what led to taking that risk. So the business is called um, gather and sew. And I did come up with the name in the bathtub, um, just <laughs> randomly with a person I don't even know. They weren't in the bathtub. In the bathtub? Yeah, I no, was no, like, no. whoa. <laughs> I was in the bathtub. I was, I was messaging someone about helping me make a logo or like, mm. you know, the color vibes and stuff. And he's like, well, what's the name? And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight, might've picked a different name, but whatever it's worked. Um, so my business is basically taking, um, old textiles. So secondhand, um, dead stock fabric, old tablecloths that are, you know, partially stained, literally any old textile and turning it into, um, something wearable, something usable. So mm -hmm. I started making out just doing that with, um, and making kids clothing. And now I'm, um, also making, moving towards making some clothing for adults too. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also been recently starting to like do repairs and mends for people also using 
the old crap <laughs> that I have. <laughs> and it is crap to most people. Um, but it's beautiful crap. It's beautiful um, crap. Yeah. I, I love it. Turn it into stunning things. You really do. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. I've I've always um, loved textiles. My mom loves like antique textiles. So I grew up around quilts and coverlets and, mm-hmm. you know, vintage. We always used, you know, vintage handkerchiefs. We weren't like, you know, we didn't buy tissues because <laughs> they hurt anyway. Right. <laughs> um, and my grandma taught me to sew when I was like 10. My mom taught me how to cross stitch. My aunt taught me how to quilt. Um, mm-hmm. So I really had no other there's no other option. This was going to happen eventually. (laughs) (laughs) I do love the legacy of women teaching you all of these skills and how that's culminated. That's lovely. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I can't let this stuff just end up in the landfill. Like somebody's mother, Mm. aunt, grandmother, great grandmother put Mm. God knows how many hours into that. And for people to just be like, oh, I can't get this stain out. And mm. toss it is like, oh, but there's like three quarters of a tablecloth left. <laughs> like we can do right. something with that because somebody put a lot of energy and love into that. And I don't know, you can't throw that away. <laughs> there's such an honoring there. Like you had this buildup of these incredible women in your life and all these different skills and these pieces of you. But kind of what was the catalyst? Where were you coming from before this? Yeah. So I um I started out as a social worker. That's what my training is in. Um I moved and I ended up working in um, retail Um, and I had a position that I enjoyed. I never thought I would work in retail. I ended up being a buyer um, for this little store, which was super fun. Um, And then COVID happened at the same time or COVID started still happening. COVID started at the same time that my mental health was like so, so, so bad. I just hadn't Mm -hmm. been taking care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, hadn't been taking care of myself really. Um, so suddenly I wasn't at work because stores were closed. Yeah. Um, and I was depressed from being home all the time, but also just because I have depression. Um, and I just started sewing more regularly because I literally had nothing else to do. Um, and then someone asked me, my cousin asked me to make a dress for her baby's first birthday. So I did. Mm-hmm. And I posted mm-hmm. it and was like, look what I made. And people are like, oh, how much <laughs> is it? And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> Y'all want to pay for this? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it. I was at the point where my mental health was making it really hard to function as far as like going yeah. to work in mm-hmm. a work environment, like, you know, 40 hours a week dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sort of like, the only option if I was going to address my mental health and try to get back on track with my mental well-being. Um, So I sort of just kind of slid sideways into it Mm -hmm. via that strange route. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Thank you for being so um, upfront about mental health challenges, because that's real, right? And oftentimes people are not talking enough about that, but that sounded like a real catalyst for this huge next chapter, oh, right? Yeah. Both yeah. in the recognition of what was going on, but in the like very deliberate decision-making of paying attention to it. Like, mm-hmm. what do I need to and do to Taking heal? care of yourself. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I will talk to complete strangers <laughs> about that kind of thing. Cause it's had such a big impact on my life. And I know it has such a big pack 
impact on other people's lives, whether or not they're talking about it or addressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so common. And the more I talk to people about it, the more everyone is like, oh yeah, I struggle with that. Or, oh yeah, I see a therapist or, oh yeah, that medication works great for me. It's like, it's like everybody I know. I don't, it shouldn't be such a <laughs> taboo thing. Cause it's yeah. literally everybody I know it's my favorite people. Yes. So it's yes. so silly that it's still so stigmatized. Um, I'm such a believer and such an advocate and talking about these things and being so mm-hmm. open and honest as I know Emily is too. And, and that's part of certainly a big part of why we want to do this podcast is we know all of these incredible women who are doing amazing things and also are carrying so many other parts of themselves that make mm-hmm. those incredible things challenging. Yeah. Well, I'm going to shift us a little bit because one of the things that Emily and I were talking about that we so appreciated in your story is that um, you really, I had made the comment earlier before you got on about how you just sort of slice, you know, a big knife and you just slice right through that cake. And you were like, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing that was really tough. And I had talked about the fact that, oh, we have all of these assumptions of what would be difficult about starting a business, right? This idea of like having enough money or having business acumen, or do I have a product Mm -hmm. that's interesting to people? And um, you had said, yeah, it was actually this idea of who I was. That was the risk, right? And I was like, boom, that really hit in a big, big (laughs) way. Um, And also, Emily, can we just share again your nugget that I thought was so amazing with Allison? Go for it. You should. Well, well, (laughs) Emily then was like, oh, you know what? It's sort of interesting because all of these ideas of like not having enough money or business acumen or whatever, those are all basically euphemisms, right? Like those are all still about the stories we tell ourselves, but the stories we tell ourselves about money or about who, who are people that are entrepreneurial or whatever, yeah. And so I was like, oh, right. And the fact that you just came in and st- you didn't use those euphemisms, you just said, no, I had to absolutely rethink the narrative of who I thought I was. And it was terrifying. That for mm. that hooked us both so quick. We were just like, oh my God, we're in deep dive on this business. <laughs> so that's where we're going. We can certainly go lots of other places. Um, but I really would love to talk a little bit about this idea of personal narrative and starting with this idea of like, what kind of narratives have you had about yourself? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the main narrative I was telling myself as I started that process is that I would be so good at it. <laughs> awesome. yes. I love that. Good for you. <laughs> and I'm great at the creative part, uh, but yeah. I don't know crap about business. I have not taken a business class in my life. I don't want to. I never wanted to be mm-hmm. a business owner. I just assumed like, okay, I'm relatively intelligent. It can't be that hard. Oh, it's Mm. so that hard. (laughs) Wow. So everyone is like, oh, who is your tax person? I'm like, you think I have that figured out? Like, I don't even know. First of all, I'm not making enough to worry (laughs) about that (laughs) yet. Yet. Yeah, that's right. Um, But if I were, I probably still wouldn't have it together. Um you know, everyone's like, oh, what were your sales last month? I'm like, who? that's not important. Who knows? <laughs> I sold a couple things. Um, so that was one of the major perceptions that was challenged. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I am intelligent enough to be good at owning a small business. Mm-hmm. I am intelligent, but that is a kind of intelligence that I don't, that I need to learn that I didn't come mm-hmm. into the situation mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um so that's been one of the major challenges for me. Um, I 
have very strong and complicated feelings about contributing financially to my household. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it's always been, I don't know why, but well, I do know why. I grew up with a single mother. She worked very hard at a job she sort of hated because Mm -hmm. she had bills to pay and she had me to take care of and the benefits were good, right? Um, So I've just always been like, oh no, I will be contributing financially Mm -hmm. to my household. Um, and then when I'm not, I feel bad. I feel bad. It's mm. like there's a sense of shame for me around that, which mm-hmm. is fully coming just from me. I am so appreciating this moment um, because it it makes me think a lot about the, again, not just the stories we tell ourselves, but again, the stories we tell ourselves are often reflections of how we're engaging with the world, right? From a young age, the stories that other people are telling us about ourselves, what the what society is telling us about who we are, right? And I think as women, and one of the things that Emily and I pride ourselves on with Time to Gather is we are an intergenerational podcast, right? In that we sort of span 15 years age difference or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, when I look at my mother's generation, all the way down now to an 18-year-old female and the evolution of how women have had to perceive themselves mm-hmm. um, in, in, in terms of, yes, the working world, in terms of motherhood, in terms of financial contribution, it has been a constantly moving target, mm-hmm. right? And yes. so um, I always talk about, you know, with Generation X, really complicated gender dynamics because our moms are the one that pushed so hard for change that mm-hmm. Gen Xers, the pendulum swung really far to one end in response to that. And uh, the poor men in our lives were like, I don't even know what to do at all. <laughs> what am like, I is chivalry a thing? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to do. And we were do like, I hold the door? Do I not right? hold and I'm the like, door? Well, I'm what do you be, want from me? Yeah, I'm going to be the alpha female in this relationship and you're just going to live with it. You know, there was like so much complexity yeah. there. And then the pendulum yeah. sort of swing back and back and back. And so, Allison, what you're bringing up, I think, is not just about your own personal narrative, but again, your mm. placemaking in the the sort of sea of women and how we are responding to you yeah. know the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. I don't like, for example, my in our household, I'm a terrible cook. I don't like cooking. <laughs> when I make things, you mm-hmm. don't want to eat them. <laughs> my husband does all the cooking, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. The number of people who are like, oh, you're so lucky. I'm like, yeah, I'm lucky, but I also do like all the other stuff. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that like, interesting? He, that language. You're so lucky. Yeah. Right? I'm like, he is he lucky that I do his laundry? Right. No, I just do it because I'm his <laughs> partner. Nice. He just cooks because he's my partner and mm. that's the thing he's good at. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, it gets so complicated and confusing. You're so right. Mm. Yeah. I recently okay. had a a really a person I really love uh was like who does the cooking in your household I was like oh Mike does and they're like oh you're a kept woman and that just hit me so hard of just like I was like haha yeah but in retrospect uh, I wish I would have said so many different things and to Mike's and my like like prop like props in that moment like Mike was like yeah but she does like all the planning the reason we're even hanging out with you right now is because she figured out to make this happen yes. kind of thing and like we talked about how our strengths play off of each other like he is right. able to be more mm-hmm. task focused more small day-to-day focused and i'm more like 
big picture, keep us rolling in a direction focused. Right. I can remember his nieces and nephews' birthdays. But yeah, exactly. But (laughs) and then if I tell him to buy the gift, he will do it. It's perfect. Like it's you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes. I love seeing figuring out our roles. It's so true. Mm -hmm. Like the generations that have are have come and are coming still are redefining something seemingly as simple as the contribution to a relationship and how is that defined? Right. How are we parenting? How are we contributing to the household income? Whatever that is. And it's such a pleasure to see that shifting happen. Um, I want to know, Allison, because you are a business owner and you have been going through these growing pains. And I know the stuff I carry around this stuff and Emily too, because we've been talking about a lot of these things with time to gather, right? Which really for us has been sort of a, you know, a passion project, but inevitably is, is to some degree a side hustle too. So we have to be thinking about all those kinds of things that you're talking about that I don't feel super educated or equipped to know. Um, and so there's a lot of like quick learning and, you know, a lot of stories I tell myself around what it means to own business. I want to know what you have um, been living in terms of a narrative around ideas of business. What does success look like? Mm, what is an entrepreneur? Yeah. You know, like what are those stories you've been telling yourself about that? Yeah. I mean, I think probably the story I tell myself about what is success um, would be, yeah, making, making money. <laughs> um, I'm at the stage where like every, you know, every little bun, every little bit of money I make gets reinvested. Like right, I don't, right. I'm not like, mm-hmm. I pay myself this much an hour. Like, oh, that would be, that's cute. <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, the story that I tell myself about what success looks like is not what's currently happening for me, um, which is frustrating because other people look at me and they're like, oh, you're you're doing great. Your business is taking off. And I'm mm-hmm. like, excuse me? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, my idea of success needs to be altered probably, honestly. Like I need to actually think about what I consider successful, right? I do something every day that I like doing. Mm-hmm. That's That should be a success because a lot of people don't, that's a privilege yeah. the vast majority of people do not get to have. Right. They don't enjoy what they're doing. Including your own mom you talked about, right? Yeah, I exactly. Mean, yep. You are literally yep. changing the narrative of the lineage of your own female family. Right. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of ways in which I need to rethink what success means. I'm keeping things out of landfills, which mm-hmm. was one of my goals to have a sus- completely sustainable brand that saves things that would otherwise get thrown away. Mm-hmm. I do that. So that's successful. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my goals was to educate people about um, all of the issues that come with fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, again, total privilege to not have to buy fast fashion things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I buy fast fashion things. Um, so no, you know, I'm not in the business of shaming people who can't afford a $200 handmade dress. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will teach you, you know, how to mend your mm-hmm. $29.99 Target dress. Cause mm-hmm. I'm all about that. The dress I'm wearing right now is from old Navy and it's like five years old. And I think I have probably replaced every seam in it. <laughs> um, but So I'm educating people about that. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching people about what you can do to save your clothes, how you can launder your clothes um, to make everything last longer. So again, fewer things um, are going into the landfill. 
I had a really cool commission um, just last week from one of my customers who previously um, had bought just purchased children's clothes from me because she has a little boy. Um, she had a favorite denim jacket that got stained like on the top panel. And it was like a big, like splattery stain. She tried everything to get it out. She couldn't get it out. She's like, I love this jacket. Is there any way that you can mend this to cover that? And I'm like, this is this is what I live for. This is fantastic. <laughs> so we ended up doing a really cool mend on it where I basically stitched um, vintage lace applique over the stains. Oh, and now she has like this cool like lace floral mm -hmm. applique. Um, on the back of her shoulder and it looks intentional. Like it looks yeah. like she paid more for the jacket to get mm -hmm. that on it. And I was just so happy that her first thought was, oh, I wonder if Allison can fix this so that I can keep wearing it. Like I, I love that. Yeah. Mm. So that is a major success. Like that's what I, I need to reframe success as those things. So yeah, I, I have some work to do in the redefining success. Well, and I just want to—I want to call out your. You keep saying, "I need to, I need to, I need but to." But you're doing it. You're yeah. doing it. I, that's the thing. You I was just like, did oh it. My God. And you're so clear, and you—you've so defined this. Like, I recognize this is the story I've told myself, and here's all of the counter stories that I know are accurate and true. And so it's less about needing to change it, and more about just the practicing of of reminding mm -hmm. yourself of that, right? Because you are totally doing it, and so inspiring to me. By the way, I'm like, yes. yeah. It's <laughs> oh, amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, my therapist would tell you that I'm great at recognizing things when somebody asks me to, and yeah. terrible at remembering that I've recognized them the yeah. 99.9% of the time I'm alone. Yeah. I'm really good at like knowing all the things, but putting them into actual practice is a is totally yeah, it's a totally different animal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, listen, I think we should take a quick break and come yep. back. Um, so thanks so much. We'll see you in a minute. Emily and I love supporting causes we believe in, and that's what Time to Gather is for us, something we believe in that connects and celebrates all of us through stories and wild, amazing, everyday women. If you believe in helping support a space like Time to Gather, consider donating to our podcast by visiting our website, timetogatherpodcast.com, and hitting that donate button. Your donation helps Time to Gather survive and thrive. So I want to check in a little bit about the impact of some of this personal narrative and the shifting of it with other people in your life, right? We've talked Ooh. about how our narratives are influenced by, again, our families, society, these constructs that we all have to sort of abide by and, you know, Western society. Um, but we also have real people in our lives who are engaging with us as our personal narratives are shifting or changing, or we need to shift our personal narrative in order to engage with them more lovingly. So what about some of that? How have your changes impacted the people in your life? Um, the people in my life hear the word no from me mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot more often I think for you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I've got to learn um, that word <laughs> yeah born and raised Maybe. people pleaser still mm -hmm. love to make people happy but I've gotten a lot better at saying to my friends I'm like I, I don't have it in me sorry mm -hmm. like let's you know can we pick a day next week to do that because I'm this I'm not it's not going to happen this week I I can't do it mm -hmm. um so that's been a huge shift and what I still feel guilt when I say no, but what I've realized is that as long as I 
you know, if I tell people why it's a no, if they're my actual friends, they're like, oh yeah, take care of yourself. Is there anything I can do? Like nobody's mm. like, what a bitch. Like right. nobody, you know. Right. <laughs> and if they do, then they don't, I don't need yeah. to be hanging out with what them. What a not That's friend. thing I told yeah. them. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, my friends have had to adjust to getting to see me less but I'm also more present and energetic than mm-hmm. when I am with them because mm-hmm. I'm not running on empty and like it's been in my calendar for a week. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest changes probably. Um, and honestly, the same thing with um, my parents, mm-hmm. not I have very undemanding parents, but I have this tradition of talking to my mom every day on the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that I'm like an adult, nothing is different from day to day, right? So I don't have anything exciting to say anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just don't have the energy. So, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a, hey, thinking of you, but I'm going to bed because I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Love you. And that's, I mean, she doesn't mind. Mm -hmm. I think that's been a harder change for me to make because I didn't, you know, want to be disappointing her or letting her down um mm-hmm. but she you know she's a happy little camper she doesn't <laughs> she gets it <laughs> she knows how sleepy i am um i'm sure it's affected my husband uh because he is just present for me trying to sort it mm-hmm. all out right so he's He's there for the the ugly stuff of me, like, verbally processing or refusing to process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, he gets the messy. <laughs> sure. he, gets, he gets the good bits, but mm-hmm. he also sees a lot of the messy bits of me sort of basically just fighting with myself, like, right. internally giving myself permission. Do I deserve to have permission? You know, just that whole cycle that we all sort of go through that's based in shame and Mm -hmm. the stories we tell ourselves. Hundreds of times a day, like over and over again. Yeah. It's like an ongoing little hamster wheel in the back, just doing its thing, Mm -hmm. whether or not we think about it doing its thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, One of the things that this is bringing up for me that I just want to name because I've been lucky to be kind of to see this growth and shift in this powerful, incredible, beautiful woman of Allison Spanner. Um, but uh, that you are using no's and boundaries and honest space creation around yourself more and more. Um, but this is building off of who you've always been, at least to me, because in undergrad, you were the person that taught me about mental health days and like just taking days to yourself. Like you did that in undergrad and to your internships and would just be like, no, I'm taking a day at home. And like that gave me such permission throughout my life to do that for myself too. But I had never seen that modeled. I'd never seen that be a thing, but that was all you just like, nope, I value myself, my time. Um, and I need to take space for that. And I love that you are like continually just like blossoming open with that and making mm-hmm. more and more space for self and time and modeling it for all of us and for your all your friends and for your customers. And um, yeah, it's a powerful thing, woman. 
Well, it's funny that you say that because I called them mental health days, but when I called off, it was because I had a migraine because <laughs> I didn't yeah. feel like I could say, That's right. I need a mental health day. Yes. Right. Never had a migraine in my life. Very sorry to the people who do. I have friends who get them. Yeah. I know it's agonizing and life disrupting. And I'm sorry that I used your condition <laughs> to get myself out of work, but I really didn't feel like I could say, I, I need a break. I, I don't yeah. have it in me. I felt like I had to have an excuse. Um, so mm-hmm. I did it, but I still wasn't comfortable with, with people. No, not even with people knowing, I just didn't think they would allow it. That's right, I felt yeah. like they would say, that's not, it doesn't matter. You need to oh. come to work unless you're, unless you can't get out of bed, mm-hmm. you're, you can work. You're fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So but I'm glad that. that I got you out of work sometimes. <laughs> And I've called them mental health days, but I thought you did. So that's great. <laughs> I'm amazed. I love it. Now yeah. I call them mental health days, but yeah. that's because I just have to let me know when I'm calling off of work and I'm very understanding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're a good boss to yourself. Sometimes. Yeah. Any this other questions, is, Melinda? Well, this is just, I'm, I'm just reflecting on the fact that this has been really inspiring. Emily and I have d- said so many times and mean it so seriously that this podcast for us is in some ways the medicine we need. Uh, you know, it brings forward conversations just naturally and organically um, regarding things that we are struggling with. And I think that doesn't mean because we are uniquely tied. We have some sort of spidey sense to the women we're talking to, but in fact that we're just talking about things that are so universal and collective, but have not Mm -hmm. been sort of um, pushed into the light and enough that they do feel normalized. Like this idea, like golly, Emily and I were just talking about some examples of the way in which people are utilizing email signatures in order to say those kinds of things, those explicit things around the timeliness of responses, or um, I'm, you know, I'm not in the office today because I'm taking time with my family because that's an equal priority, you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. where it's like, right. It, when you begin to say it, we begin to normalize it. So, yes, and exactly. yet I don't feel safe enough in a lot of environments to be that explicit. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I love the fact that we're having this conversation. It definitely brings to the surface for me, some of the, the current personal narratives that we're carrying. And I would love for the three of us to maybe go around and just like share out Allison, you've been so um, courageous and lovely and bold and sort of talking about this. I'd love to know, like, what's in this moment, a, cur- a current narrative you're pushing back um, that isn't serving you? Uh, I'm happy to share one and maybe Emily can share one because I think it'll be helpful to our audience to hear some of the things that in our real lives we're dealing with. And, and I, I can go first if you want me to kick it off. Yeah, I have to think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that's happening for for me in my life right now is I'm getting ready to start a new position. And it is a position that is bigger uh, than I've ever held before. It will be, I will be responsible for a relatively large staff and a big budget and will be the boss of an organization. And I have never been in that role. Ironically, I have coached and taught and (laughs) trained on these subjects for years, but this will be the first time I'm actually having to do it in practice. And so um, one of the things that this conversation, of course, uh, cross-pollinates heavily with is this idea of imposter syndrome, right? Because that Mm -hmm. all comes from the stories we believe about ourselves. And so I am literally in like a shink, shink, like Star Wars style lightsaber battle every day with imposter syndrome around this job I'm about to take on. Even though I know I have the tools, I know I've had a 20-year career, 
the idea, right? Just like we talked about your ideas of success and entrepreneurship, the idea of being the boss is really hard. And so this conversation has been really inspiring to me because it's the reminder of those stories are just there. We can change them, but it's going to take that daily practice. And I'm sitting here thinking, ooh, if she was my boss, I feel like I could take a mental health day and just call it that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. I, that, and that's my whole thing. I want people above projects, right? And so I'm so glad I'm, I give off that vibe because I want- You do. You absolutely want staff do. to yes. feel like they can take care of themselves. That's most important. Yeah. Um, a perception that has been coming up for me lately that is really tiny compared to a lot of these is that, mm. but it's a narrative that like we push in this household about me a lot is that I have no task patience, like very low or little task patience. And I think there's some truth to it of like, I get frustrated easily when you're like trying to build furniture or like <laughs> put something together that is um, like kind of tricky or fix a random thing or do things that are like asking your body to be in kind of weird positions. And I've been thinking about it lately because I'm like, I don't think it's, there's other data there that's kind of been rocking me, right? Like, I'm like, I do tasks all the time, like constantly. And I've um, started raising and growing flowers that took task upon task upon task to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Like digging the dirt, amending the dirt, like um, just all these different things, planting the seeds, starting the seeds. And I think that what the stories I'm starting to reshape for myself of like are why don't I like doing tasks and like what's going on there what's the information that's missing and it's like oh I have a physical disability from having brain surgeries years ago that doing some kinds of tasks are really uncomfortable for me but instead of letting myself feel that discomfort mm -hmm. I've been shaming myself for over a decade about the fact that I don't I, I don't like it it makes me cranky it makes me upset it makes me feel like I'm not enough kind of thing mm -hmm. um so kind of like letting that in and then um, also the recognition of like, what is the environment around those tasks that I don't like kind of thing. Oh, and so great, kind of yeah. like exploring deeper on like this big narrative and story that we like, Mike and I tell people about me, you know, like it's a fact of like, mm. I have no task patience kind of thing. And I think there's truth to it, but I also am curious about those underlying pieces and how I can shift those so that maybe I can instead of shucking those responsibilities to somebody else, maybe I can do those things mm -hmm. when I want to, and rather than just say, no, I can't and don't do those things. Mm. I don't think that's a little thing. <laughs> you said that was a little thing. That's a huge thing. And you also bring up, Emily, something that I just want to name because it's so huge. And it is how these stories about ourselves become a part of sort of uh, relationship dynamics, family dynamics. They sort of become the joke or the the story, mm. you know, and, and we all have those, right? How oh, we gosh, are perceived yeah. and the stories that are told at family gatherings about who we are. And, and usually they're out of love and fun and, and, you know, what playfulness, but oh my gosh, they become so deeply ingrained. So I just want to like say kudos for truly peeling back some of these layers and saying, okay, what's actually going on here? Yeah, Instead of just being the, the caricature of something, right? <laughs> mm, it's awesome. Mine is very similar to yours, Emily, in that um, I guess, what, two years ago now or a year and a half ago, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD. I had no idea that I had it. Mm -hmm. um, and I see a therapist. She mentioned it a couple of times. My psychiatrist asked me about it once or twice. And I'm like, no, I don't have ADHD. And I'm like, uh, these professionals keep asking me if I've been diagnosed. I'm like, maybe I should 
maybe I should, maybe they know something like, maybe mm-hmm. I should look into this. Oh, so, so I did the test and my psychiatrist is like, oh, you have profound ADHD. And I'm like, that was oh <laughs> big news to me. Um, so it's changing, it's changing my perception of me as mm-hmm. just bad at a thing, um, or mm-hmm. not patient or crabby to like, no, I, there's a, yeah, there's a, I have a, a disability that makes this thing really difficult for me. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a hard thing to get over for anybody with any sort of disability, mm. Expe- but when it comes late in life and you've yeah. had what, 30, 34 years of telling yourself the story. And then suddenly you're like, oh, that's actually not the story, but it's so hard to just not immediately jump to the place of shame and self-judgment and like, oh, why am I so bad at this? Well, my brain literally prevents me from being good at it. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, those are well-worn pathways in your brain where yeah, the story has been yes. like, just like deep trenches and yeah, yes. it's going to be a slow, yeah. slow dig out of that. Like, really. Yeah. Mm. And to not, to not feel guilt when asking people to accommodate yes. um, is like, I haven't even started trying that yet. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll get there. But um, my husband yeah. and I were building out our closet yesterday with like a shelving system. And it was so difficult for me because it was metal pieces on a tile floor and he kept dropping them and it was mm. so loud. And I was stepping on the nails that he kept dropping and the dogs were barking and the room was so full because the closet was emptied. And I was like, God, I am the worst wife. I can't even do this project with him. (laughs) And then I was like, no, "No, this is actually just all of the things that are Mm. very difficult for me to do. Yeah. Mm. I'm so glad you checked it. Yes, me too. The stories we tell ourselves. And we all, the, why is it that the first stories we go to so often are the ones that are so negative about ourselves? Absolutely. Like, I am a bad wife mm. because this is over. It's like, struggled to build me. a closet. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> That's, was it part of your vows? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> there weren't even instructions. Somebody just gave us this closet oh, no. system. Oh, no. And we're oh. like, oh, what do we, I mean, you know, I love free. It was free. So I'm like, yeah, yeah of course we'll use it. But, yeah. There was a lot of reasons that I was struggling yeah. and none of them yeah, were because, because I am a bad wife. No. <laughs> no. Well, thank you for this time with us. The last thing we like to do is to ask our guests if they could go back to the time that they're doing that risk, what would they tell themselves now? So Allison, if you could go back to the moments and it was many moments on top of each other, but if you go back to the moments that you were starting your business and taking this risk, what would you tell yourself now? I think I think the most valuable thing to me would have been the just redefining success from the start, deciding what was what success was going to mean to me, what I actually wanted it to mean, um, not what society was telling me it should mean. I feel like it would have been a lot easier to just function um, and run my business had I had a clear picture for myself of what I considered success. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I was very much operating under what I perceived society's definition of success to be, which just like so few things about society that I agree with. Why did I think that there's yeah. their definition of success was also mine? I don't know. 
that thank you so much for that that i'm now thinking that is just a question we should all be asking ourselves yeah and it, at the like, start of almost anything yeah every aspect yep. of your life absolutely like, okay, it's never too what, late what's going to be successful what does success yeah. look like in this moment right yeah I know yeah. we do that with project management, but now I'm just like, we should be doing that when we start a closet with free stuff. And when we mm-hmm. are getting ready to cook for our families yeah. or right. whenever we're getting ready to start a job, um, you know, what does success look like? Because giving ourselves permission to define that for ourselves versus relying on these old tapes that we're not even aware of most of the time could be right. a game changer. Game Absolutely. Changer. So thank you for yeah. that. It's awesome. Well, thank you for making me talk about it. <laughs> These are the things I should be telling myself in my head that I just don't. So thank you. <laughs> thank you all. This was highly successful together, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I agree. It was highly successful. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Allison. Bye. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to gather with us today. Keep our connection strong by visiting us at timetogatherpodcast.com or by following the Time to Gather podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. We would love to hear from you. What resonated today? What are your stories? What risks have you taken? We love connecting with you and doing this work. Head over to our website and hit the donate button to help keep the stories coming. We're a grassroots, lo-fi effort, and your support is both needed and appreciated. Thank you, and we can't wait to gather with you again.